Hi there. I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of livehealthy.ae, and this is the livehealthy.ae podcast. Each week, we will interview leaders in the UAE's health and wellness community, and we'll explore topics you read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women. And now it's time to meet this week's guest. Maria Kelly and Laura Brennan from Darkness into Light. Now, Darkness into Light was started in 2009 by a psychologist at Pieta House, which is an Irish nonprofit organization. Um, it was designed to serve as a fundraiser for suicide prevention and counseling and began as a five kilometer, kilometer walk in May and it's since spread to 180 countries. Um, the walk starts at right before the darkest point of night, right before dawn, sort of to um, as it serve as a metaphor for um, that point where people are dealing with the darkest uh, feelings in their soul, I guess. <laughs> now, Maria Kelly moved to uh, Abu Dhabi in 2015 and partnered with the Al Jalila Foundation. And um, they've had walks in Abu Dhabi and Dubai, expanded to Alain and Ras Al Khaimah. So, welcome, ladies. And you were supposed to have your walk this past weekend, and it didn't happen. And I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Anne-Marie. Yeah, I know it's very different this weekend not having our walk because it is the biggest event in our calendar. So I think a lot of people felt the absence of it. And I saw lots of photos of people going out on a walk by themselves. So although they couldn't walk with the community, they still marked it. So that was really heartwarming. Really enjoyed seeing that. I saw those too. And have you postponed it till the fall now? Yes, so the organization who started the Darkness Into Light Walk, Pieta House, they have postponed it to the 3rd of October. Okay. So I guess we'll be playing it by ear now to see what happens. Of course, we would love to be able to host it on the 3rd of October, but it's very difficult to plan ahead during this time. So we're just going with the flow. Right. right. Now, can you tell yeah, me? Oh, can I just jump in there? Because um, obviously we didn't have the walk on May the 9th, but what we did instead was a campaign, Rise and Remember campaign, where we had a special live episode on Facebook that focused on suicide, suicide awareness, and we've had 18,000 views on that episode since Saturday. Wow. So although we didn't get the walk, we were able to pivot and replace with something that has really hit home for a lot of people. Wow, because how many people were you getting to the walk, would you say, last year? Well, for us, the UAE, we had just under 3,000. 3,000 of them. Wow, that's some real reach. Now, before yeah. COVID, you were, I thought you were doing amazing things. You were having tea and talk. Tell me about what you were doing before here in Abu Dhabi, here in the UAE. So um, I guess when we started out, we initially just brought the walk. But since then, we've kind of evolved into an all-around year charitable initiative. So we try and provide free services all year round now to the community so we do that through tea and talk which is a psychotherapeutic entertaining event um, we have one-to-one -one support for people in crisis we do walk and talk which is um kind of a mix of exercise and talk therapy support um what else laura what am i missing there's lots going on so much going on pre-covid we had lots of face-to-face -face events so mm -hmm. i suppose when oh, this yeah. happened 
everything had to be adapted. And I was just saying to Laura this morning how we actually are still running 15 events a week now to support people and how lucky we have been with being able to adapt our service and mostly um, put it all online now, really. I think that's how every business and every initiative is working now. Everything's online. Yeah, every business, but you guys aren't a business. And I know, uh, you know, Laura, you... Great point, Anne-Marie. Thank you. <laughs> you have a job, right? But Maria... Yes. Job. Maria's given up her job to do this. <laughs> and, yeah. and Laura, yeah. you volunteer your time. So every time I turn around, like at first you did the weekly thing, every time I turn around, I can't keep up with what you're doing. So you're on literally every day and maybe sometimes twice yeah. a day doing lives. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. Um, like As Maria said, we adapted and literally overnight we we digitized our services and explored ad hocly how to scramble and, and make valuable content or uh, create valuable support services that people would be willing to use. So yes, we have the different live sessions, but we also have closed Zoom support groups. Uh, we've also formed two new partnerships with uh, two major um, companies here to provide them internal in-house support for their 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 staff as well um, and it's just something new is coming every week um, and by the end of june we think we'll be definitely doing uh double that about tertiary services and again all volunteers like it's incredible incredible stuff are you able to get funding from some of these initiatives to help fund your work like is that no no that's not part of it no no funding uh, it's all done on on volunteering and people stepping up and wanting to to give back to the community. It's just the general darkness into light ethos. Nothing has changed for us. We are still a group of people who want to serve the community and help those who are vulnerable. And COVID nineteen hasn't changed that. Yes, we've had to scramble and rally, and we've had to make some tweaks here and there. But our our mission and our values are still the same. What are you what are you hearing in all these sessions? What are you hearing from people? Is it are there common themes? Uh to be honest, we don't focus on COVID-19 at all. We just focus on the the human experience. So the common themes are always, you know, soul loss, depression, sadness, anger, breakup, what am I going to do with my life? I hate my job or, you know, now it's trickled into I'm at home with my five children. <laughs> how, how, how do I how do I get me time? Self care is obviously very important, and it's a it's a reoccurring theme. But we don't want to um, shrink it down or take a reductive approach that all of a sudden, just because COVID nineteen now all of a sudden there's a mental health problem. No, there's been a health pro mental health problem well before COVID nineteen. It just so happens now that that will amplify people who've already been struggling because of obvious factors. And, you know, we had a, Laura, you and I, we were on a panel at the Live Healthy Festival in January, and we had to talk along yeah. these lines. It, was, it seems now, in, in hindsight, hindsight 2020, everyone's saying, but um, it seems now that things were sort of building and building. I was, we were writing a lot of articles on Live Healthy about mental health, and people seemed, there was just so much of everything and so much to consume and so much to do and so much busyness. Like, I wonder if looking back, if, if both of you can speak to like, do, does this make sense to you that we were sort of heading for something or am I just making it up? 
as a, as in like when I'm into okay, you go, Maria, and I'll I'll think. I think I think you're right. I think um a lot of attention has been putting on has been put on mental health and well-being, especially this year. So definitely heading for change on the mental health and well-being front. Um, so it is building. Because you were. I think by the end of 2020, we'll see a lot more. Um, support networks in place to support people's mental health and well-being because it's being recognized more now in the public domain. Is COVID forcing people to confront things that they haven't possibly had an opportunity or given themselves a chance to confront because we just had to stop? Oh, well, I, w- I would think so, absolutely. And I could only say that from personal experience that, like, I think we're all going through daily challenges now because our routines have all changed and we're just trying to um, to find the happy balance, I suppose, or the, the balance of, I suppose, people are, who are working and trying to balance their work and home life all in the one setting. Like, that is such a massive challenge, especially for families. So definitely COVID is bringing a lot to the forefront when it comes to mental health and well-being. Like COVID-19 is the time of waking up you know, people are waking up. What does that mean? That the the they're becoming aware of they have to put in time for their self discovery and enhance their self awareness because there's no other option. Because you can't leave the house and go to brunch or go to parties or drop the kids off at the pitch, whatever it might be. No, you have to sit at home and sit with yourself. And you know, in a lot of our sessions, we talk about the hardest conversation you have is with yourself is where you're sitting down and you're allowing your uncomfortable truths to come to the surface and and then you're going to work with them and um from my friends and different people people are 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 all reporting back i'm getting to know myself better or i i didn't know about this i didn't know this about me before but now i'm aware of it that's the kind of the stuff that I'm hearing so it's definitely an opportunity of course contextually it's difficult I'm not talking about that but in terms of waking up and becoming more self-aware um it's definitely prevalent it's happening it's happening well when you talk about waking up and becoming more self-aware it's part you know what we discussed in January it's part of the human experience to explore the darkness in yourself and the thoughts that you have rather than just Like, can you explain to me sort of what happens when you don't do that, when you just sort of ignore and shove aside and not pay attention to what you're feeling? Yeah, well, I, you know, Carl Jung um, calls it the the shadow side, Um, that if you don't put in your shadow work, the shadow will consume you. So what does that mean? It means that when we deny our truth when we deny painful experience and and we push it down it's like have you ever tried to push a basketball underwater (laughs) you know it's constantly trying to fight back up and you put much more energy and effort into pushing down repression repressing or suppressing your feelings and your thoughts it takes much more energy it causes such fatigue it causes such discomfort that when we, uh, and that's what we're trained to do because humans, yeah, we're hardwired. We don't want to feel pain. So intuitively we think if we block it out, we will feel better. But actually in reality, the counter, the opposite is true. Um, 
we actually have to allow these things to come to the surface and work through the pain to come out the other side of it. But I think a lot of people think if you if you let yourself, you know, if they're not accustomed to that, if you let yourself feel those feelings, they will consume you. Like, I think people actually yeah. think that having a bad feeling is leading you to a place. I know this from personal experience. So yeah. how do you coach people through that? Yeah, well, look, that that is that is a, a collective distortion that there's a bad feeling. There's no such thing as a, as a bad or a good feeling. It's just a feeling and what you perceive it to be will then, will label that feeling. So um, a lot of people, because they don't have the support, they, as you rightly said, Emory, they can get consumed by the feeling because they identify, I'm feeling angry, therefore I must be angry. And what we, through mindfulness or meditation or personal development, would um, mentor people to, that you're feeling and yourself are separate. So when you're feeling a feeling, you can identify it, but then you can learn to work with it until it, until it passes, rather than identifying and become consumed by it. And that's, as I say, where a lot of people get trapped they identify and think that I am this angry person, I am this sadness, and then that creates the ego story and all the other distortions and unhelpful thinking patterns that get us trapped in the doom and gloom of the suffering of the world. So it's it's a difficult process for sure. But and what about that voice in your head that tells you that it's wrong, that you know that tells you that you're wrong or it's wrong? I do you talk to people about that? Yeah. Well, look, you know. A common thing is is self talk. People will report negative self talk that they 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 they. It's that self critical voice. Um, it's that destructive voice. It's that bullying voice. And here's the thing: like as humans, we can have between forty to seventeen, ninety thousand thoughts in our head. Like we are constantly talking to ourselves. That is normal. That inner dialogue, and the inner dialogue will completely create your reality if your inner dialogue is predominantly negative then that's how you're going to perceive the world and you're going to make choices according to that and the opposite is true if it's positive ultimately the optimal talk is neutral Neutral. you know you want to be you want to be neutral um, and deal with positive and negative negativity in the same way but for people who are starting off it is reframing the thoughts Um, but you know we again it's true our upbringing and our conditioning and our schools and different things, you know, we're, we're taught self-comparison, we're taught competition, we're taught someone's better than you, or people, other people will achieve their dreams, you're not going to be able to achieve your dreams. And we grew up then thinking that's the only way to talk to ourselves. Because you're not like this when you're a kid, you know, you're right. Is that right? You're just, you know, I see my niece, she doesn't have, well, sometimes when she can't do something, she's, yeah. you know, but like, yeah. you don't have this negative, it's something that comes later, you incorporate it from the outside world, is that how it works? Well, well, well look, according to uh, uh, epigenetics, um, the you're up to about the age of eight, you're on what's called a theta brainwave, which means you're, you're, you're just downloading everything in your environment, and you're not conscious of yourself and the world as separate. You're just all as one. Now, of course, I, I won't get into it, but then after the age of eight, 
then you, you change your brain, you change your brain waves and all of a sudden now you're developing the rational thought and you're developing the sense of the world around you. And it's during whatever has been programmed from the first eight years will now activate as your subconscious belief system from eight onwards. So before the age of eight, you're not connected to it, but after the age of eight, you are. So if someone has been saying, for example, uh, you're a good boy if you go to bed on time, then that will be the, the program belief that if I go to bed on time, I'm a good boy. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? How how we talk to ourselves, you know, look even in the in the school system generally, if if a kid, and this is not all of course, but it is a general rule of if a kid gets an an exam and they get 19 out of 20, what we found here when we go to schools, parents will say, oh, what one did you get wrong? Rather than going, oh my God, you got 19 out of 20. Like the focus is always on what you didn't do right. And then that builds a habit in your own mind of always focusing on what you don't do right and never actually being able to appreciate appreciate all the, the successes you're having. Um, Maria, I'm curious how you are so, like, I'm curious about your struggle with all this because you're so empathetic. You spend your entire life doing this. You're not a psychologist, although you probably could be um, just through experience. <laughs> but um, I'd love to see my... I would love to say you're a psychologist. Obviously, you can't be a psychologist or experienced, but um, you, I'm curious about your own personal experience with this, with this inner struggle, and what drives you. Yeah, um, I think, like, as I spoke about in our session, our Rise and Remember session on Saturday morning, like, where darkness into light started for me, and that was from losing um, my godmother to suicide when I was very young. And although I was very young, I still... I guess I have a very clear memory of the devastation that came into uh, that family home at that time and even the loss that's felt to this day. And I know I'm not the only one who sees that. So I think that's my that was my fuel for starting Darkness into Light and for keep going with it now, just to prevent that absolute utter devastation that it causes in so many homes. So that's what keeps me going. No, I'm not a psychologist. I love the organization and the management behind it. And look at it amazing people like Laura around me and all the volunteers um like it's incredible I think like darkness into light is very much the community like so it's not just one person so it's really is it brings me so much joy to be a part of it but um yeah I think starting out in 2015 then like we never thought it'd get this big I certainly didn't like we had a lot of barriers up at the time um with um laws in place of suicide and charity and so on so like the fact that it's gotten this far is incredible and I never ever thought I would have given up my job and gone into this full time which I absolutely love but of course there is a lot of fear there for me like it's like okay what's next in my life what's going to put a roof over my head next year you know there's all of that but I think just the incredible people around me really do keep me going and the generosity and kindness of the community like darkness into light wouldn't be what it is without everybody coming to us and saying okay how can we help you how can we help you and that really does it's just so heartwarming and it really does keep you going so yeah I think yeah it's it's it's, it's a roller coaster but a good roller coaster and Laura's been a fantastic support for me as well like to look at listening to her there now you could listen to Laura all day 
No, you couldn't. Oh my god! If you if you had any viewers for your your listeners for your podcast, then Marina were gone by this stage. Day <laughs> 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 because of your accents and also because of your content and what you say. Um, <laughs> Thank you. How did you two? How did you two meet? Oh my god! It's such a love story. Uh, can I? Well, I share from my perspective, and then you you share from your perspective. That's I'm sure it's two different stories, but I, I maybe two years. I always go to the Darkness in Flight walk when it's on in Ireland or when it was on here, and then maybe two years ago when the walk was done in the Corniche in Abu Dhabi, Maria spoke either before or after the walk. I can't remember, and I was at I was by myself just standing, and the moment she started talking, I was like, Oh my God, this girl can change society but she needs somebody like me <gasps> she needs she needs a wingman because i was so enamored by her potential i knew she was um a leader of great change um and straight away then i signed up and i was like i'm here for you girl <laughs> and that and and, then, and and that was the start then and obviously then throughout throughout through the last two years, um, Maria has just grown and grown, and you know, even winning the the, the Abu Dhabi Leader of the Year award in 2019, and um, building that into light what it is now. And then, you know, I've also benefited. I've learned so much from Maria, and I've had so many opportunities to grow and develop and do things that I would like to do. So it's just been an incredible uh, gift. Yeah, I think we're very lucky. Like, we do work very well together. I'm so blessed to have Laura. Um, I remember the first time meeting you was when you rocked into uh, Tea and Talk, our first ever unofficial Tea and Talk in Cafe 302. And I was like, who is this girl? <laughs> have, have I not met before that? No. Not not officially, no, no. So, okay, like, okay, I yeah, had yeah. been told, I maybe we had messaged or whatever, but I, I was aware that you were coming, but I hadn't met you in person. And, um, like, for anybody who's met Laura will know, Laura really does push you outside of the norm. Like, it's you have such a gift and a power on the people around you. Like, you really do push people outside of the norm and embrace yourself and just allow people around you to just be yourself. It's okay to be yourself. So, it's, it's such a gift. I love that love story. My friends' love stories are some of my favorite love stories. Yeah, like we're, we're work wifeies. I, I speak to Maria more than anybody else in my entire life. Same like thing. We have a shared calendar. We do. And I believe I have the privilege that when Laura's phone is on mute, if I call her, it's unmuted. Yeah, you're the only one. My my phone has been on silent for about three years. But there's a there's a there's a special thing on my phone where if Maria calls me, then the tone will come on. Yeah. Whether I have my phone on me now or not is a different story. But yeah, yeah it's there, babe. Oh, that's amazing. Um, so what's the size of the community in Abu Dhabi? Would you say when you can you pull together like you know you, there are volunteers and the people who come to your are you able to quantify it? Well, on our committee alone, we have 18 people, but outside of that, we have a volunteer network. I'd say in Abu Dhabi, we have more than 200 easily. Um, and then across the UAE, oh my God, well over 500 between event volunteers and mental health professional volunteers. 
um so and it's constantly growing like it's incredible like every week we have people sending us emails or sending in us in messages saying how can i help um so it's it's fabulous but yeah it's just growing and growing now so Mm. mentioned at the beginning the laws in the country around suicide and suicide attempts those are all um had, had yeah. at all can you explain suicide is illegal in uh in the uae can you sort of expand on that yeah so i remember when we started out and we first had our first meeting in 2015 and we had our first walk in 2016 like we were terrified we could not say the word suicide everybody even our host for the first walk was like no do not say the s word whatever happens do not say the s word and with that being against the law here and like of course you could never be seen to be condoning suicides that's very much against the law so people felt by even saying the words that you may be condoning suicide that was the understanding back then but now absolutely not i think there's a greater understanding of suicide and the mentality that comes out behind suicide like somebody in crisis and people are really increasing their understanding of that which is fantastic and they're more accepting about talking about it now um i think with since we've started talking about it and since we start pushing out that important vocabulary people are coming forward and saying oh this has affected me and share their story it empowers them to share their story and then for them to help others as well they feel empowered to help others so it's, it kind of it goes around in a circle it's just help everyone helping each other it has a knock-on effect which is absolutely beautiful so um yeah at the start we had that and of course charity laws as well you could you cannot promote or fundraise for a foreign charity so we were very fortunate to get Algelila foundation on as a partner and they've been fantastic so they've enabled us to do what we do so it's brilliant um, so how do you, I, everyone who's lost someone to suicide, I, I have heard it's, you know, one of your thoughts is what could I have done? How could I have spotted it? What could, how could we have intervened? Mm -hmm. What do people do to be more aware of the, the struggles and the crisis that people are in? And, and how do you intervene if you suspect someone close to you is struggling to that extent? I'll let Laura take that one. It's, it's, it's a very complex yeah. topic. Look, it, it, look it, it is a very complex topic, but specifically to answer the question, what do I do if I think someone is struggling? There's one question to ask, and it's actually the most difficult question to ask another person. And the question is, are you feeling suicidal? To actually say the word suicidal, it takes so much strength and courage. Um, and that puts it straight out there. That's in that question is in all the guidance and training for people who work in suicide assistance with assist and, and safe talk and all the international brands that deliver um, suicide training. And that's that's the question. And if you are going to ask for ask that question, you gotta be prepared for the answer as well, you know. And um, maybe the person will say, Yes, I am and then share their story and it's about then being comfortable to listen without judging and having no expectation on yourself that you can do anything other than listen because quite often a person having somebody else to hear their story is quite relieving and distressing and is very helpful but if there's somebody in a more escalated state and you're very worried about them that's then when you when you intervene and 
you reach out for a next of kin or you reach out um, to to a hospital provider or um, the police for a welfare check or something like that. But, you know, specifically in the UAE, um, you know, the ministries here, they do recognise that there is a, a major mental health crisis and they're responding to that as best they can. You know, they've implemented the mental health policy, I think, 2019, um, a new national wellbeing policy, the, tw the 2030 vision, um, the Ministry of Happiness has rolled out a new mental health program. So they are doing their best to to respond in a timely fashion. I think where the gap is, it's just the 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 ex the, the, the first of all the gap is the suicide law is, is one big issue that I'm sure is in the process of being addressed. And even you see in Dubai, the authorities' approach to people who've attempted suicide is very different to what it was a couple of years ago. There's a much more humane and uh, compassionate response than a kind of uh, you're a criminal and having to go through that process. Um, but it is, it's just getting the services in place to, to, to treat these vulnerable people. And the country is very new, you know, it's still less than 50 years of age and there's very strong traditions and philosophies and, and culture around mental health and those are, are, are breaking down and it is the likes then of darkness into light and the power of the community normalizing conversations that essentially you just want to help people. You don't want to do any harm to people. You want to help people. And if we are all bystanders doing nothing, we're not helping, you know? I'm hearing a lot lately about listening too, because I don't think, I think all of us can be better listeners. And do you have any tips for people to like, just let people feel heard? Look, at the end of the day, the only thing a person can do is listen and genuinely care. You literally cannot do anything else except listen and genuinely care. The thing with listening is, which is really funny, you know, people are like, how do I listen? You know, on quick Google search to active listening, here are the 10 steps. Like newsflash people, you don't have to learn how to active listen if you're actually listening. <laughs> you can just... Put your phone aside, you can just come back in and be present and go, you know, even people would be very familiar with tactical conversation, tactical communication and, and like corporate language, you know, like what's my objective before I go into the meeting? You know, if, if that language, you know, uh, resonates, you know, be tactical, set an objective. I am going to listen and be present with this person for at least 10 minutes and just genuinely care, genuinely give them compassion and just be present with them. And let's see how that goes. Um, we hear a lot about in Emirati and Arab, uh, other Arab countries, how there's more of a stigma in discussing mental health and depression and anxiety. Maria, have you been able to tap into um, not just the Western expat sort of uh, groups, but have you been able to penetrate for Emiratis and Arabs? Yeah, absolutely. Like I had the privilege of teaching in a, a public school here for six years. So without that, like it was such a blessing to teach in a public school here because that gave me so much interaction with the local community here. And I've learned so much about their culture and their heritage. But when I hear people say that, like it's such stigma here, like it's it's the exact same worldwide, like in Ireland 50 years ago, 100 years ago, it was the exact same, same in the UK, same in America. Like it's just here um Huey is going through the exact same thing as where every other country was so I, I don't like to think of it being any different to any other country it's just 
maybe uh, back in the early stages of where we were 50 years ago. Um, and my interaction with the local community here has been very positive. Like the people I've met have been very, very open, very accepting. Like the humanity is amazing. It's, yeah. I, so I, would, I wouldn't like to generalize and say it's across the board that it's, there's so much stigma and nobody will talk about it because I don't think that's the case. Um, but of course there is a hesitance. But if you give the person a platform to talk about it, they will. Absolutely. So in a non-judgmental and accepting way. And yeah, and I think, you know, what you were talking about there about listening, um, I think the biggest challenge for people even listening is to practice not non-judgment, not to interrupt and say, oh, this happened to me before and I would do this and I would do this. You know, if we can all practice non-judgment, gosh, we would get to place, we would get to places a lot quicker, basically. Not your story. Um, so moving you know, in this, like everything is so uncertain and we're all so used to dealing with uncertain, but are we going to be okay? What do you ladies think? <laughs> What's going to happen? Anne-Marie, there's so much that could be said to answer that question. <laughs> what do you think though? What do you think we're going to move forward? Like what's going to happen to humanity? Is there going to be a change or are we going to go back to the way we were it's just a small question <laughs> i think we're going to we're learning so much from this i think we're going to come out of this a stronger and more humane community that would be my belief definitely laura what do you think yeah i, I concur with that it's <laughs> hard time in our life to change and grow and learn and grow yeah absolutely absolutely that's nice, that's nice. How do you just tell people there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of fear mongering. I personally have had to stay away from media, which I've always loved and consumed voraciously my entire life. It's a huge change for me yeah. because I cannot take it. And it's so obvious to me how sort of, yeah. how, how do you deal with the fear, the fear of, with a family member, the fear from the media, the fear you're just hearing in everyday conversations. What's, how do people deal with that? Uh, you know, fear is an incredible force, you know, and especially if you're at home with a family or you have a friendship circle or colleagues and they've all fed into a particular fear philosophy, your voice gets drowned out very quickly. Um, and for people, it, it the, again, the answer is very simple. You've got to do your own research. You've got to make up your own mind. You know, you've got to be a free thinker and check resources. And if someone is telling you a story, you know, for sure, be open-minded and receptive and then do your own search. Do, do your own search. And then, you know, challenge the counter narrative, you know, challenge your own beliefs to find out yourself because we, Everybody will recognize, you know, people are dumb. People will say, I know I've been conditioned by the media. I know I've been conditioned by society. But yet then if you're going to go back into that media and back into society for those for those answers, um, when you know they've been lying to you all your life to a certain degree, <clears throat> excuse me, this is where, you know, you really got to take a pause uh, and make up your own mind. Yeah, I think a lot of um, the fear and worry as well, though, going on in families is financial worries. I think coming out of this, there's so much financial worry. And 
I'd like to think like we we always survive with what we have. So hopefully after this, the priority will change from how much money is in my bank account to actually my family, their health is their health is your wealth. Yeah. Like and as long as everyone is healthy and safe around you, that's the most important thing that we will always survive from what we have outside of that. But I do I am aware that financial worry is going to be a big one coming out of this. Okay, ladies, yeah. this is amazing. Can you tell me where do people find you? So they can find us on Facebook in Darkness Into Light Abu Dhabi, uh, Instagram, Darkness Into Light AD. Um, we have just kicked off our website now as well, finally. So it's www.dil.ae. Um, for anybody who does want to get an insight into where Darkness Into Light started and what we're all about, do watch our Rise and Remember episode, which is on our Facebook page from Saturday morning. And get a box of tissues ready, maybe for it. <laughs> But it really does give a clear picture of our, our roots and what we are all about. So um, I definitely would recommend watching it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for speaking to me. I really appreciate it. I can't wait to see you in person at some event. Oh, I hope so. I hope yeah, so. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for, Thanks for having us, Emery. Keep doing what you're doing, girl. Okay. Thank you. you. Take care. All right. Blessings. Bye. That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the livehealthy.ae podcast.